0: We see good things abroad and we are, we are willing to spend overseas, but people are not willing to spend it in Malaysia because they feel like, oh, you know, the quality is not there or it's not up to par. But I feel like we can train Malaysians to be up to par. We can
1: actually create things that other people can create too overseas. You're listening to Foodie Canteen. I'm your host, Castle Lim. And in this podcast, I'm sitting down with Southeast Asia's leaders, entrepreneurs, and content creators in the F&B space. You will learn about their trade secrets, or you'll just find them as your next-door neighbor. This show is supported by Good Foodie Media. For foodie who wants to connect to the world through food, they curate the best spots to eat and drink in Malaysia, Bangkok, and Singapore. Check them out on Instagram for more. On the show today, we have a powerhouse with us, She's one of the most followed food and beauty entrepreneurs in Malaysia. Stick around to hear her story. Hey, Christy, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you feeling today? I'm good, thank you. So for our listeners who might not be familiar with you, can you briefly tell us who you are and what you do?
0: Um, okay, so I'm Chris yes. Um, I work for Bajaya group of companies and I'm also an entrepreneur. Um, I'm in the food, uh, F&B and uh, beauty industry. Um, yeah, that's it about me.
1: Yeah, I can't wait to dive into all your ventures, but I want to talk a bit about uh, your childhood. How was your childhood like? I mean, how were you like growing up?
0: I guess I was always a very curious person. And also I would call, I think I'm quite an adventurous person. I pretty much get bored easily. So I like to try new things. Um, Trying new things excites me or like going to new places. And I think in my childhood, I was pretty lucky that I've been, you know, able to go around in the world and also lived in a few countries before. So I guess, um, yeah, that was how my childhood was
1: like basically growing up. And you went to school in Japan too, right? How was the experience for you?
0: Yes, I actually studied in Japan for about, I would say, three years. Um, it was an eye opener, I would say. Um, very, very different from Malaysia. Um, everything is very proper. And um, I think living in Japan really gave me a new experience in life. You know, it really has taught me to be you know, like very patient and, um, you know, it's so new and people there are so polite.
1: So it really has given me a new experience in life. So was Japan your first choice when you wanted to go away for school?
0: Um, No, I would say Japan definitely wasn't my first choice. I really wanted to go to UK because obviously all my friends were there. Um, I did A-levels in Malaysia and then my dad said, okay, you know what? You are going to Japan. And I was like, no, I don't want to go to Japan. So he took me on a holiday and he says, look how beautiful this country is. You know, you'll learn a new language, a new culture. And I thought, "Hmm, okay, I guess I'll give it a shot. I, it wasn't my first choice, but I can tell you that I did not regret it um, today. Mm.
1: When, when did you know you wanted to become a, an entrepreneur? Was it like at a young age, you you instantly know, or was it, did it run in the family?
0: I guess growing up, we always um, spoke about business, um, you know, at dinner tables, at, you know, at our conversations and all that. So I guess I never really wanted to be anything else. I remember like um, when we were in Form 3, we had the PMR exam and, you know, I mean, I got straight A's, so they automatically will put you in a science stream. And I was like, no, you know, I really wanted to be in commerce because I just knew that I wanted to do business, you know, that is something that excites me. So I guess, yeah, I just chose to do business then. And it just has stuck with me since I was young. So never really thought about being something else, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or a scientist, like never.
1: You're also the founder of Curate Group. It is a boutique hospitality company with a number of Japanese restaurants and the, how did the idea to start this come about?
0: Um, okay, so my first, actually my first F&B venture was Greyhound and um, it didn't go so well, you know, also because of the pandemic. But um, so Curate Group actually started maybe about two years ago and um, it all started when my husband just wanted a Japanese restaurant in his building. He was like, you know, why don't you open a Japanese restaurant in my building? And I thought, mm, not really. I, you know, I don't really want to go into f again. And he says like, you know, but you love Japanese food so much. Um, you left in Japan. You probably can come up with something. And I was like, okay. I mean, so I called a few friends. I just casually asked if you want to be partners. And they automatically said yes. And, you know, they leave everything to me. So I said, okay, so that's, that was how it, it started, actually. So it started because of passion, you know, as, you know, part of a hobby, I would say, but it actually turned into, you know, quite a good business,
1: yeah. And it has seven restaurants and they are all unique on their own. How do you come up with each concept?
0: So actually it started with um, Sushi View, which is a sushi restaurant, but we kind of made it a bit more modern. You know, it was, it's not very... Um, what we you call that, one of its kind overseas. But in Malaysia, there wasn't something like that before. So, you know, it was sushi, counter seats, but we actually made a bit more modern. We used like, um, you know, truffles and different ingredients. So, I mean, it's basically what I like. And I thought maybe Malaysians would like it too. And true enough, you know, they really enjoyed it. So that was how we opened I mean, so we expanded from one restaurant to another. And I brought in chefs from Japan, you know, to come in, to do collaborations. And um, most of our chefs are actually local. But they're actually trained by some of the Japanese chefs that I brought from overseas. So that was how it all started. And then from one concept, we, you know, um, evolved to have two concepts, three concepts. So each concept is unique and Actually, the latest addition was Hyde. It's a modern dining cuisine, um, nothing nothing to do with Japanese cuisine. Um, It all started because he was actually a friend. You know, he was working overseas and he got stuck in Malaysia due to the pandemic. So, you know, we had a chat and said like, oh, you know, um, so I actually encouraged him to stay in Malaysia. Because before that, he was going to go to San Francisco. So I was like, no, you know, you have to stay in Malaysia. Let's do something in Malaysia. And he was like, okay, why not? Since I'm now stuck in Malaysia, um, we decided to start a venture. So each venture is different and has its own story, basically. Yeah, it all came about like differently.
1: Mm. And I mean, Kiriku was founded on the thought that you want Malaysians to, like you said, experience the local and good food from Japan. Mm -hmm. Like what you have experienced uh, during your time abroad in Japan. Why do you think it's important to diversify the food culture in our country?
0: Uh, I think it's really important because, you know, you don't want the businesses to be exactly the same. I mean, competition is good, but I don't think we should do the exact same thing. We should always try to innovate from, you know, I mean, it can be, let's say Japanese cuisine, but we have to innovate it a little so that it's different from others, other restaurants that's really available out there. I mean, um, we, I mean, it's not, composition is not a bad thing I would say, but we can always try to make it better. You know, we can always try to innovate and basically push Malaysians to be more creative. Like for example, in Thailand, you know, it's our neighboring, neighboring country, but their food scene is booming so much there because people there are creative, you know? Like, I would say a little more creative than Malaysians here because, like, let's say, for example, there was a cafe boom in Malaysia and everyone opened the exact same coffee shop, serving the exact same thing. But, you know, you actually have to make it a bit special to draw your customers in you always have to change. You always have to innovate and make things a little different from others. There's no point copying 100% when you see somebody who does well, right? So I think that Malaysians should try to be a bit more creative and, you know, try to change it up a little so that we can also, as consumers, try something different. Like, as you say, I studied in Japan. So of course there are things there that's different from Malaysia. And I want that's, those are the things I want to bring in. So I want Malaysians to be able to try what's new, you know, not everyone's so privileged and to be able to travel overseas or to live overseas. So I think bringing it back is so important. Like through experiences, you know, we travel so much, like, um, We see good things abroad and we are are willing to spend overseas, but people are not willing to spend it in Malaysia because they feel like, oh, you know, the quality is not there or it's not up to par. But I feel like we can train Malaysians to be up to par. We can actually create things that other people can create too overseas. So I think that's really important, yeah.
1: And how is Curate Group doing that too? elevate, I would say, the current dining scene in Malaysia?
0: So, um, as I say, we always try to change and we try to innovate. We come up with new things. And I think, I mean, before the pandemic, of course, I'm not talking about, you know, the situation right now, but before the pandemic, we always, like I try to get chefs to collaborate with curate group, you know, to... So when all these chefs, they come in, they actually teach our Malaysians, you know, what to do, like new skills, basically, it's like a school, right? You learn from people who are experienced. So Curie Group aims to bring like experienced people from abroad to come in, but to train our local talents. You know, we don't keep them for a long time. So that's why we do collaborations, but they do have like the one, two weeks of training when they're here. So I feel like our our staff and local Malaysians can actually learn from them and to also create something And to also push their creativity to create something new and also to localize it a little with, you know, our taste buds here. So like you learn a skill from, let's say, a chef overseas, but you kind of, you can also localize. So it just pushes them to like create and, you know, just be creative and innovative. Yeah. Because in the food scene, you have to also innovate, right? Because if everything is always the same, then people get bored easily. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, when you get bored, then people don't come to your place and then you know your business won't be successful. So you always have to adapt to change. And to because people just keep getting more and more exposed each day. So you have to also keep up with, you know, the changes in
1: the world and change your business, basically. What's the challenges you are currently facing now in business? Oh wow.
0: I mean, I think that's not only us, the world is. I would say is in a crisis, right? Um, a lot of local businesses are doing so badly and we are not, we're no different. You know, we couldn't operate for like, what, three months now. And doing takeaway is not the same for the f industry. You know, people, like for us, because Curate Group is more focused on fine dining. So people actually have to come to the restaurant to experience everything, you know, that is what we can provide when we have dining in. So it's very different from doing takeaways. Of course, we try to, you know, give better packaging, um, you know, try to maintain food quality through deliveries. But, you know, it's tough. So everyone is actually having a tough time now, not just us. You know, I wouldn't say we're, we're nowhere near break even, you know. Like times are just so bad, but we just have to keep pushing or else what can we do? You know, we don't want to shut up businesses because then it will affect the livelihood of our staffs. So we try to, you know, keep afloat basically. Yeah.
1: And what are some methods you're using to do that? Like you say, Fine Dine is focused a lot on the dining experience and delivering it is just different. Is there some things that you guys have tried in this pandemic to just bring the experience for your customers at home?
0: Yeah, I mean, we try to, you know, we try to maintain food quality. We try to, you know, send it, you know, as fast as we can, so that the food doesn't really get cold. Or what we do is, you know, we teach them how to like um, heat up the food again, so that you know it's as good as in a restaurant. I mean, it wouldn't be hundred percent, but we try our best, you know, so that it's eighty percent, ninety percent. And we only do dishes that is definitely available to take away, like or is good to take away. You know, we definitely can't do most of the dish like most of the dishes that we do um, when we have
1: dine in, but we try our best still. You know. Is there a pandemic lesson you've learned so far?
0: I think a pandemic lesson that I've learned is we have to really adapt, um, you know, to current situations. I think that's so important, adapting to current situations. You know, when we first um, had the first MCO, we were like, oh my gosh, what do we do? You know, we have to start ordering like packaging and all that. Like, you know, we have never thought that we need to change how we operate our business, So adapting to change is so important or else we'll have literally zero income. So now maybe we have a bit, you know, we can cover probably just the rent, but we can't even cover our like, you know, staff costs and all that. But you know, just a bit like goes a long way basically. Yeah.
1: For many of us who is following you on Instagram pre-pandemic, you are always on the go one moment yeah in Japan. I am, yeah. Like, as
0: I say, you know, I'm a person that gets bored so easily. So staying home uh, is driving me nuts, not gonna lie. Yeah, and travel
1: plays a big part in your life, right?
0: Yeah, I guess it really does because, you know, I'm always on the go. I'm not the type of person that stays put. And it has all, like, traveling always gives me inspiration because I learn new things when I travel. When I see new things, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, this is something I can do, like, for in Malaysia, for example, and that has really changed quite a bit in the past two years. Like, what we've been stuck here for two years, or like yeah, one and almost a half two years? years now, <laughs> almost two years. I know exactly. So, I mean, it has been a bit different. So, what we can do now is only, well, travel through our phones, right? I mean, we're lucky that we actually can still see things online. You know, we can try to imagine. I mean, that's about it. And you know, we can read a lot more but it's nothing like having to experience it. Definitely, you know.
1: And aside from not being able to travel, I think it's been a pretty exciting year for you because you just launched your own beauty brand. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about that?
0: Oh, yes. I actually. So I basically launched um, my beauty brand when I was pregnant, which was maybe about a year ago. Wait, no. So I, it started about two years ago. So, you know, we were we were doing like research and development and all that. And those who know me know that I'm really obsessed with my skin. So I'm always like looking for like new facial products or like, you know, looking at what's affordable or like not too crazy. Because thinking about it, I've actually spent so much on skincare. And I thought, okay, you know what? I mean, firstly, of course, I think it's a good business. That's why I want to be in it. And secondly, I thought that maybe I can create something a little more affordable, but also as good as you know, the premium brands. So that was how it started. And I remember I was pregnant. Um, you know, I had like really bad nausea. So I actually took two, two months of a rest, but we still continue like trying the products and doing research and development. Um, and also I give like the, my samples to like my friends and my family to try, like, because I, you know, not only my opinion matters, I feel like other, like other people's opinion matters to me too. So when everything was set to go, I was So I launched a beauty brand. So that was how it started, actually.
1: And how is it going now with Lumi Beauty?
0: So we launched last year, even though we started this um, business like two years ago, but we only launched last year in, I think in September. So it's been, what, a few months? Almost close to a year now. And it's been doing good. Um, Not too bad, I mean, considering the pandemic. So I'm really, really grateful to, of course, all my followers and, you know, to everyone who supports me from the beginning, um, it's just so nice to see that people appreciate what I've done and, you know, what I've created, basically. Yeah. So it's it's quite fulfilling. Yeah. To know that people actually like the things you create, like, you know, your ideas and all that, like getting support, like also for Curate Group, like we get a lot of support from like, you know, friends, family, followers and just basically Malaysians, you know, I'm just really, really grateful for that.
1: Yeah. A lot of women my age and um, my friends around me, they look up to you as a successful entrepreneur who is very fearless, who just is a go-getter. For those who are listening, do you have any advice for them?
0: Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't think that I'm super successful to be giving advice because I would say I make mistakes too. Um, You know, every day is a learning process to me. And I think this should be for everyone as well. You know, you read, you learn, you look at things online, you learn. And I feel that um, being patient, being persistent and never giving up is so important as well. So yes, to everyone out there, just do what makes you happy. You know, don't be afraid and just, yeah, never give up.
1: So what's next for you?
0: Good question. What's next for me? Um, I think I don't really have new plans at the moment because I mean, we're in a pandemic and keeping our businesses alive is just so tough right now. You know, we have businesses that are losing so much money like um, you know, a hotel industry and all that. I really hope that, you know, I can keep those businesses alive first before even thinking of doing new things, right? So, what's next? I don't know, but um I really hope everything, you know, goes well and the pandemic can be over soon and everyone can, you know, restart and like continue their businesses basically. Yeah.
1: Thank you so much, Chrysius, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Thank you. You have just listened to Foodie Canteen. Special thanks to Chrysius for sharing her story. The show is produced by me, your host, Castle Lim, and co-written by Mei Ray Kwa. Foodie Canteen Podcast is made possible by the excellent team at Good Foodie Media. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Foodie Canteen for more. Follow us for brand new episodes every Friday. Thanks for listening.